hello, I am your host, Karen Doyle, and welcome to The Genius Podcast. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called The Genius Project. The heart of The Genius Project is dedicated to equipping and supporting women of all ages and stages of life to discover what it is that God has placed within their hearts to do giving them the permission to follow that God whisper and dream, and then equipping them with the knowledge and practical skills to make it happen. If you are looking to discover what it is that you are called to do with your life, if you have a dream or a passion, but you lack the skills and confidence to take that next step, or you just need some great advice on living your vocation as a Catholic woman, then this podcast is for you. Today's genius guest is Jessica Bond. Jessica is the owner of the Salt and Gold Collection, which is an Australasian-based online store for sons and daughters of the Star Breather. Salt and Gold was created in the midst of the COVID-19 global pandemic, some beauty in the midst of chaos. Jess has visited nearly every continent and lived in eight different countries and states since giving her wholehearted fiat to Jesus nine years ago. Since then, she has had adventures better than she could ever have dreamed possible. Her wild life has included working for the Catholic youth team in Christchurch, New Zealand, ministering in prisons, schools and remote islands of Australia with the Missionaries of God's Love Sisters for a year while desperately trying to make sure no one was eaten by crocodiles. Jessica recently graduated her first year at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in California, USA. She loves riding motorbikes, taking personality tests, she does not love camping or heights, and somehow she convinced the bishop to let her have two confirmation saints, Cecilia and Rose. In today's episode, Jess and I are going to be unpacking what it looks like when God creates beauty from ashes the spiritual trap of perfectionism, and how we can overcome it. You're just going to love this woman. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Jess. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Jessica Bond. Well, Jess, it's awesome to have you on the Genius Podcast. I've so been looking forward to this conversation with you. So welcome all the way from Perth. Yeah, thank you. You're a Perth girl with a Kiwi accent. Oh, I I don't even know where I'm from. I definitely have some kind of Kiwi accent, but it's been mixed together now with Australian and American. I sound super strange, I think. <laughs> it's awesome. I've got a friend. I don't know if you know Zenka but she is Polish and then she grew up in England and now she's in Australia. She's been here a number of years. She's a good friend of mine. So she's got this bizarre UK, Polish, Aussie accent. Great. When we travel, I often try out my accents and my kids just tell me to stop right there. (laughs) But um, I love the the Kiwi accent and it's a beautiful place, New Zealand. But oh, you're, sure. I miss it a lot. You've had quite a tumultuous start to the year because we were just chatting before you had just moved to the US and then you were pulled I, back to Australia for COVID. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know that a lot of people had some kind of disruption in their life due to this global pandemic. And I was studying in America at a place called Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, which is like a full-time ministry school with a lot of outreach and um, theology classes and stuff like that. And so I was living there and then we started hearing about this COVID thing and I was like, ah, it'll blow over, you know, it'll be fine. Told my parents, no, don't worry, like I'm just going to stay here, no worries. And then literally 
like I got up the next morning and um, my whole world just exploded and 70 mm. minutes later I was driving to the airport <laughs> to get on oh a plane home. That this quick? Like all of my, yeah, it was that quick. It was hectic. I didn't even, I literally didn't even know what was in my suitcases. Half of my stuff is still in America. Oh. Um, my housemates were helping me just throw as much as we could find together and, and um, get me on a plane. So, um, yeah, it was very hectic. And so in that time I had to choose where to come back to because I'm from Christchurch in New Zealand but mm. I had made a home for myself in Canberra in Australia and then my per- my family had also moved to Perth and so <laughs> yeah, I was sort of torn between like where do I go and so it was a bit of a split second decision of oh, I'm just going to go where the, the most of my family are because I know that I'm going to need support yes in this next season of like sudden transition and I knew that a lot of people were struggling to find work and stuff yeah. like that so that's how I ended up in Perth. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> and Perth is like going pretty well in terms of COVID at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, we're very, very thankful. Mm-hmm. You know, anything could change at a moment, which yes. is, I think, what yes. everyone's sort of remembering. And so, you know, we still have some restrictions here and people are trying to be sensible to, to keep things yes. going well. But we're definitely, yeah, very thankful. I know a lot of places, um, like Victoria, are still mm-hmm. like significantly struggling. So yes. feeling very grateful to be where life is semi-normal yeah. at least. <laughs> I know. It's been a real test, hasn't it, of trust and surrender to the Lord. I think it's what it's taught me this whole COVID season is that nothing is in our control right so everything is outside our control and just this call to a deeper abandonment a deeper trust a deeper surrender in the lord and just to be resting in that Mm -hmm. because we can't predict we can't direct what's happening at the moment so it's it's so true i heard someone say that it's almost like an opportunity for us to let go of all the things Mm -hmm. that we were putting in the place of God and isn't like you say putting our trust in them so whether it was like financial security or whether we like found our identity and our purpose in our work or you know yeah and I'm not saying that God did the pandemic I don't think that's correct but I am saying that he can bring good fruit out of it absolutely and I think the growth is painful I know I've definitely found that during the Mm -hmm. yes I can I can say it so easily you know oh God's just giving us this opportunity (laughs) to you know surrender everything and in reality I'm like no I can't let go (laughs) I know I hear you and I feel similar it's been I'm finding the longer it goes actually the harder it's getting But I think just that call to go to adoration, call to prayer, and I I really want to encourage women to be doing that at the moment, that to really lean into the season of going deeper with the Lord. Because I I think Mm -hmm. it's actually a very spiritually significant moment in history at the moment. And Mm -hmm. the call to prayer and the call to go deeper with the Lord is definitely, there's an invitation there like never before. Yeah, I've seen as well. I think uh, uh, the Lord's stirring in in revival in some places especially yes. seen across America where I I think that they're not meant to be worshipping together anymore mm. and there's this sort of revival where people are just rediscovering how passionate they are about worshipping yes <laughs> so, yes yeah. absolutely because worship shifts the atmosphere 
So tell me, Jess, I first came across you at a Light to the Nations Easter Festival. Was it last year? In April last year, I think it was, at Barrel. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and you gave this talk, which blew me away. I, I'd never heard of you, never met you before. And you <laughs> gave this talk, and I was really impacted. It stayed with me sort of 18 months on. So you know it's a good talk when people can repeat <laughs> most of what you said oh, back to them. So My husband, yeah. who's a, you know, he's a global speaker, he said, the audience only remembers 10% of what you say. So <laughs> that's a bit depressing for people who speak because you're like, <laughs> what about the other 90% work that you've done on a talk? But uh-huh. your uh-huh. talk really impacted me. And I think you've got this beautiful ability to communicate your heart and the heart of the Lord. And you shared your experience of being in New Zealand in Christchurch during that season where there was those horrific earthquakes and Mm. just what the Lord taught you. And I was just wondering if you could just share very briefly because I was just really inspired by your sharing. So you were in New Zealand at the time, but share a little bit about that with us, that experience and what the Lord did through that. Yeah. For sure. So, yes, um, I am from Christchurch, which is now nicknamed Earthquake City. Yeah. It used to be further up in uh, Wellington, but I think Christchurch has probably taken that name now. And back in, it's actually just gone 10 years about now, we had some really unexpected gigantic earthquakes and obviously they were terrifying and there was one in particular so we had two gigantic ones which were like on the Richter Richter scale though like 7.1 and 6.4 I think and the 6.4 was actually more devastating than the 7.1 one because it was closer to the surface of the earth so all the it, it just creates more damage basically mm. to anything that's sitting on top of the earth because there's more bounce and <laughs> friction yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. So that one was in February and I was at work in the city. I was 17 years old, little mm. baby, and working my job in a high-rise building. I had this gigantic earthquake and it was the longest one and a half minutes of my life. Mm, like it doesn't sound like long, but when you're getting thrown around like meters or which ways, you know, it's crazy. And I definitely thought I was going to die. Yeah, that was definitely something I'll I'll never forget. But I didn't, (laughs) thank the Lord. But many people did, especially in the area that I was in. You know, a lot of buildings collapsed and, Mm. you know, uh, vehicles were crushed and people walking along. Yeah, it was very horrific. I I guess not necessarily at the time. It definitely took me a long time to process. Mm. But I came out with this question of, was God in the earthquake or was God with me in the Mm. earthquake and and for me I can look at the experience yeah and I believe that I can see the Holy Spirit moving in that so you know things like I was meant to be on my lunch break but I decided to wait 10 more minutes which I think saved my life because where I was going for lunch was completely collapsed and Mm. that's where a lot of people died. Things like uh, there was someone in the room to help kick open the door so that I could escape or Mm. some random person gave me their their, like workman boots so that I could walk out because there was just like smash glass and rubble everywhere or you know my mom happened there was no phone reception or anything but I happened to get a phone call or someone I knew found me on the side of the road like there Mm. were all these moments where I felt that the Holy Spirit was intervening to to say hey I'm with you and 
I'm not in the in the devastation. I'm in the hope, and I'm in the rescue, and I'm in the healing. So that was a, a big reflection yeah. to get through. But it helps me, you know, like, and I would not want to go through that again. But it's definitely given me this this real awareness that mm-hmm. in any situation that God is in the good and not the yes. destruction no matter whether it's um you know my relationship is damaged or I've lost my job or you know whatever it is yes. I can always apply that same thing that I learned that God is in the good and in the good yeah mm-hmm. just such a beautiful message and you were just you like you said you're a baby like you were 17 you're a kid <laughs> yeah. and like but to take away such a powerful lesson at such a young age. And I think your faith was fairly young too, wasn't it, at the time? Because you didn't grow up in a yeah. Catholic family. No, I didn't. My family, um, I never heard the name of Jesus or God except as like a, you know, like a yes. curse, like, oh, my God, you know, um, yes. until I was invited to church when I was 11. Wow. Um, I didn't know what church was. Um, my family was going through a separation, my parents at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we got invited to church <laughs> and I was like, sure, I don't know what church is, but, <laughs> but I'll go. <laughs> my friend, I'll go. Yeah. Um, so we went and there was just this music playing and I, I didn't know what we were singing about. <laughs> um, it had this yeah. word Jesus in it all the time. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> But I also had this this stirring in my heart as I was singing, and I'd always been a painfully shy girl. Yes. Um, Like I, I, when I was at school, I when I had to do my speech, I got up and I cried instead of doing my speech because I was so scared. So no, I was quite afraid of being noticed. I think. And yes. Instead, I just started like singing so loud that everyone was turning around and looking Looking at at you. I was like, (laughs) I don't know what's happening, but I just have to sing this really loud. And I just felt so like loved and peaceful and alive like I hadn't in a long time especially going through my parents divorce and and so then afterwards when you know went into Sunday school and the guy was like oh so Jesus is your friend he died for you he loves you does anyone want to give their life to Jesus today and I was like ah okay this makes sense you're telling me about this person Jesus who loves me and I had this experience so it must be true so that was sort of my introduction to Jesus and and that was at 11 yeah, that was at that was, 11. Wow. Yeah, and it wasn't like a big deal. Like no. looking back, yeah. I just feel like there was a real grace from God because it never crossed my mind like, oh, is this real? It was just like, oh, sure, yeah, <laughs> you know, that yes. makes sense. Why not? This Let's works for me. <laughs> yeah, and um, so that was 11, uh, yes. and I, I had this commitment to God from that point on. So it was my my mum and both of my sisters and I, we all um, committed to Jesus about the okay. same time through the church. But that wasn't a Catholic church. It was a, a Baptist church that I'm very thankful for. But my mum had grown up in a Catholic family and she uh, just felt this pull. And so we started church shopping <laughs> oh. and uh, went slowly from a quite sort of happy, clappy, charismatic church through slowly more and more traditional. Um, so we were Baptist and then we tried um, Methodist and then we tried Anglican and we were Anglican for a while and then mum took us to the Catholic church and she was like, this is the one. And we were like, <laughs> what is this? Like, this is the worst one out of all of them. It's so boring. What are we doing in here? But, you know, we were still quite young. So I, I was... Um, sure. 14 then but I still love Jesus but I didn't understand the mass at all okay <laughs> so um, yeah I got baptized 
in, into the Catholic Church then. The the baptism was my choice. The Catholic Church part was my mum's choice. Okay. I was like, wow, I'm getting baptised, but I actually refused to get confirmed because I saw that as a commitment to the Catholic Church and yes. I was just wanting to go back to my friends and back to the, yeah, the Baptist, the Baptist. Church, actually. Fast forward to 18 and I was ended up living in New Zealand by myself. My family actually moved to Perth then. Yeah. Uh, for the first time uh, and so I decided myself to stay in Christchurch and I finally was like oh I, I can go back to this Baptist church you know I've been waiting for this moment and the moment came and the moment went and I just what happened didn't want to go anymore I was like everything in my life is changing right now and all I want to do is go to mass which has always been the the same for me um, yes it's it very like consistent home. yeah yeah so I kept going, went to a summer school, and that's where I met lots of other young adult Catholics. I met people who were Catholic and worshipping, you know, with yes. praise and worship and the great music, which is what I really longed for and loved from the Baptist Church, and also discovered that the depth of the theology and the tradition in the church, which didn't it just wasn't in any of the other churches mm. that would try and so I was like this is the one I finally get it like yeah. I'm choosing this and I think all of us have to at some point choose our faith for ourselves yes you know it's good to be raised in a, a Christian or a Catholic family but we must at some point make that choice for ourselves absolutely um, so that was my choice at 18 so yeah it was 17 Jess in the earthquakes <laughs> yeah. was sort of, you know, I, I knew Jesus, but I didn't necessarily have a lot of mm. theological, like, understanding yeah. or commitment to the Catholic Church at all. It was all a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but isn't it amazing how the Lord just, like, when you get to this point, you can look back and you can see how he was just opening door upon door or just leading you very gently on this, like, path. And all of a oh, sudden it makes yeah. sense when you get down the path. At the time, it doesn't necessarily mm. make sense. But what an amazing yeah. story. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's incredible. So tell me, like you went to this summer school. Was that in New Zealand or Australia? That was um, New Zealand. So it's called Hearts of Flame. Shout okay. out to Hearts of Flame. It's still going. It's still amazing. If you're in New Zealand or you want to go to New go Zealand. Go there. <laughs> corona that you could. But it was a really beautiful experience. And they, they work to give you an experience of all aspects of the church. You know, we're not only... Yes traditional lesson we're not only praise and worship we are the fullness of everything together and so that was what was so unique about it and what really helped me have sort of my my second conversion in a way yes was yeah Yeah. experiencing the fullness of the catholic faith Mm. with other young people it was awesome (laughs) so i think you and i share a similar passion listening to you like you very much would share this spirit of unity and that ecumenical mm-hmm. spirit between, I guess, denominations. For myself, my mum was Anglican, and my dad was Catholic, mm-hmm. so us four children were raised Catholic, but I was raised very much with that ecumenical spirit, appreciating, I guess, the beauty and the richness in other denominations, but um, obviously yeah. remaining Catholic. But over the course of my life, similar to you being exposed to, I guess, just some blessings and richness in the other denominations. And it's something that I'm very passionate about. I think you're right that we aren't just one thing. I I know in sisterhood, Mm. our 
National Catholic Women's Movement, it's a beautiful place where we have women from Opus Day through to Charismatic Renewal and everybody in between. And it's a place where everybody comes to find, I guess, a different expression of their Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And it's really quite beautiful. So I was just picking up on that. I think you and I would share that spirit of unity. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's so important. And for me, you know, um, well, I'm so I'm I'm very committed to the Catholic faith. You know, I think I can say <laughs> with confidence absolutely. that I, I'm trying to be Protestant and and you know the Catholic Church is my home. But I also and and so with that, I I spent a year with a Catholic religious order, and yes. coming out of that. I then chose to go and study theology at a, well, non-denominational uh, ministry yes. theology school, which seemed like quite an unusual choice for sure because I knew going into it that the theology would not always line up. But mm-hmm. we have so much more in common than we do not. And Absolutely. for me, it it just boils down to the fact that when we are fighting with each other or criticizing or refusing to work together or see our common areas and appreciate each other as the body of Christ, even if mm. it looks different, even if it's not all Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, only Satan is winning. <laughs> you know, like Absolutely. if God is a unified body, then what is it when we're not? That's right. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I just, your story is amazing. You've had so much, so many different experiences. And mm-hmm. I think listening to you, you know, you've obviously been through quite a lot of pain and adversity from a young mm-hmm. age with your parents splitting up and the earthquakes and just people moving and relocating and, and all of that. And I think now talking to you, a lot of your salt and gold collection makes sense because I really believe, <laughs> I will just going back to, to fill the listeners in that you've just started a Catholic mm-hmm. online business called the Salt and Gold yeah. Collection, which is stunning. Yeah. Like it was funny. I heard you speak at this Light to the Nations and then had wanted to get in touch with you to ask you about speaking mm-hmm. at Sisterhood and then the moment passed and, I, you know, I wasn't able to track you down and then all of a sudden you popped up on Instagram. I'm like, there she is. <laughs> That's that beautiful <laughs> young woman. And I started following you and I was just like, oh, my gosh, this – your, the collection is just beautiful. It's, it's art and you can tell us a little bit about it. But I think the beauty in what you're doing comes from a place of suffering and learning to trust the Lord. And I think as part of this conversation, I'd really love to unpack because I know you and I have spoken, touched on, I guess, perfectionism and yeah. how that impacts us as women. But when we look at people's Insta feeds, we forget that there's a story behind how somebody got to be where they are. So I think, you know, like your salt and gold collection is incredibly beautiful, but it's that like that worship song, you know, he makes beauty from ashes. Like you just didn't Mm -hmm. pop up one day and create this amazing art. There is a story behind that of how the Lord has worked in your heart and he has created beautiful things from ashes, from pain, from the journey of life. Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit around that, I guess, of how you came to set up Salt and Gold Collection and just a little bit of the story behind how you got there with people, just to kind of dispel that idea (laughs) of people having the perfect Insta feed and and the zillion followers, you know? Oh, no way. I have made, honestly, so many mistakes. I think, (laughs) you know, 
Uh, by the time that I die, I guess, I think I could probably say with confidence that I would have made many, if not all of the mistakes that you could yes. <laughs> when it comes to creating and starting a business. I just literally, I, I'm a bit of a, my decision-making process is quite long and drawn out. And I like to think about different, you know, options and what what if this happens or Yes. But then once I make a choice, it's going to happen on the spot. Like once the decision's made, I'm it's not done. going to be waiting around anymore. And so I guess that's kind of what happened here. So with Salt and Gold, a little bit about the, the name. I know it kind of seems a bit of an abstract name, but Salt for me is a reference to, you think about in the Bible, there's so many references to Salt, whether it's being the truth in the world, but also I think probably even more about things like Peter walking on water and the salt water and mm-hmm. how it's God's promises and his miracles and things like that. And then the gold is, yeah, about God's presence. And we think about kind of his glory and wonder mm-hmm. and awe. And um, also the prophetic uh, can sometimes be referred to as, you know, if I give somebody a prophetic word, it can be referred to as calling out the gold in somebody. So yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, and collection because it's you know lots of different things. Like, <laughs> is it like a shop? Is it a, I don't know. So it's a collection of different Catholic. Like I'm Catholic, and but I haven't labelled the business um, mm. Catholic because I want it to be open for you know all brothers and sisters who <laughs> are sons and daughters of God. You know, yeah. but the content is definitely. And so I do these sort of modern prints of saints and started doing prayer cards. But what it all started off with actually was this idea for a book. (laughs) And I actually, it just got printed the other day. So I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, so I... I came back from America and had to go into two-week quarantine, basically in bedroom. I wasn't allowed to leave the house, you know, tried to stay away from my family. And uh, so that was two weeks. It's a long time. (laughs) In one room, like, well, let's be productive here. And I just started having these ideas for uh, some kind of journal or or book or something. Um, So I just wrote and um, yeah, it took me a couple of weeks and I managed to write a whole, I call it a guided journal. Uh, so it's kind of like a middle ground between a book and a journal. Pre-journal. So it's got prompts to it. Yeah, and, but it's also got pages with input for you to read and reflect on. And so it explores through the different chapters the different areas that the enemy lies might have mm. crept into your life and just being able to recognize them and not stress about it, but just be like, actually, yeah. I not God's voice in my life and it helps you to understand and hear what it is that God is actually saying to you who does he say you are what are you made for um what is your what do you love and stuff like that so beautiful yeah made this this journal and then I was like well now I've now I've got a a book I guess I should probably distribute it somehow and that's when the idea of making a business came in are you serious like that that's brilliant yeah (laughs) I love it (laughs) Yeah, and so it's been amazing, I think, just seeing letting God be creative mm. through me. Like, yes. you know, I can often have these ideas of, oh, it's going to look like this, and but actually if I give God the freedom to move, he often has better ideas. And so where I started with a journal, and I'm so excited to be able to share those with the mm. world, 
the prints actually were not on my radar at first. You know, they sort of came afterwards. I was just playing around on my computer. I'd never used Photoshop or anything like that before. Are you serious? <laughs> they are so gorgeous. Um, oh, my gosh. I love the Mary Antour of Knots one. Yeah, I just, It's beautiful. Um, I can't believe you've never done that before. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I <laughs> honestly think this is, this is true, that God sometimes gives us, opens up these new creative areas in our life that we did not Amen. know existed, and it'll yeah. just happen in a second. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes there are things like if I wanted to learn how to play the violin, that's something that would take probably, in most cases, a lot of time and it would take my work to make it happen. Probably some grace as well, but, you know, a lot of my own perseverance. But other times I feel like God sometimes just opens this door and it's just all comes flooding out and Mm -hmm. it's like the Holy Spirit taught you how to do something on the spot. Absolutely. (laughs) Anyone who's listening to this right now, I just pray that you would have these new open doors in your life for these creative or other kinds of new expressions where you just feel the Holy Spirit move through. Absolutely. Um, Amen. I love yeah. that. And and I really think that leads into like the main guts of this podcast that I'd love to mm-hmm. talk around is this idea of perfectionism. Because I think in life, particularly for women, I see this having done ministry with women for so many years now, but they can have an idea or there's this little whisper in their soul, right? Of something, like you said, mm-hmm. maybe it's the violin or maybe it's some creative outlet that they'd like to explore but they're like no that's not me and they shut it down really quickly or they think that they have to have all their ducks lined up before they actually get started or maybe they think like you maybe they think I'm not a graphic designer therefore I cannot learn photoshop and look at you like you've just you've done all of that but I think perfectionism is a it's twofold in many ways. Firstly, I think it's one of the ways the enemy stops us from stepping into God's purpose and plan for our Mm -hmm. life, particularly for women, because I think women more than men fall into this comparison trap. Mm -hmm. And the other side of it is I think we limit ourselves with the perfectionism. And I guess it really, like there's a, a physical perfectionism where we're trying to perfect some task or talent or skill and then there's the spiritual perfectionism that we can fall into so I'd love to talk around these two I guess sides of this coin of perfectionism but before we do that I'm interested have you ever struggled with this yourself I know I have (laughs) but I think I I was like mom have I always been a perfectionist she was like I don't think you're a perfectionist and then my younger sister piped up and she was like yeah, yeah. You have to, like, to make the like makeshift puppy area. You, have, you know, I was like, yeah, true. Okay, <laughs> you know, something like that. I had to get perfect, and this was literally a makeshift. Oh, we had to put chicken wire up to make a makeshift okay. fence, a puppy safe. <laughs> yes, and, I, and you did like, it really well. It had to be done perfectly. I was driving my sister nuts, and I, I do think as long as I can remember actually uh, feeling this need to do something perfectly. And I've been trying to reflect on where did that come from? Is it, you know, is perfectionism something that you're born with or is it something that, you know, develops through circumstances or or mm. is it from a wound? Or And I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that I have the complete answer to that, but I do think that it's heavily tied in with identity. Yes. Because yes, for sure. you know, I can identify in my life where I see this unhealthy. You know, I'm not saying that doing things to a level of excellence is wrong. I don't, no. you know, having, That's an having important a distinction. Of, 
of wanting to do something well or get something perfect. That's a good thing. You know, God says in the Bible, like, you know, be perfect mm-hmm. while I am. Like, we're trying, man. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Absolutely. But I think sometimes it can tip over to an unhealthy yes. level. I think it often would tie in with fear for me mm-hmm. where I'm too afraid to try something because I'm only trying it for the first time. So, of course, I'm not going to get it perfect. But yes. because I'm not going to get it perfect, I don't even want to try it. Or I'm afraid of how I'll look if I mess up. Or, you know, people won't be impressed by me if, <laughs> if I yes. try and play the guitar and I kind of suck at it for <laughs> many years before it sounds all right, you know. So I think there can be a lot of fear tied in with it. But but I feel like the counter of this is to know what our identity is Mm -hmm. when it's connected to God. Actually, (laughs) this is random, but I have a tattoo on my wrist and it says beloved. And the reason I got it was because this is like a trigger word for my identity. And I I feel like if I can always remember that God calls me beloved, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what choices I make, (laughs) you know, no matter how someone else treats me, no matter like, you know, Nothing can change that. And I always thought I'd never get a tattoo (laughs) unless it was something absolutely unchangeable, like Mm. a family member died or something. But I know that God calling me beloved, my identity is absolutely unchangeable as well. Amen. Um, Absolutely. And so that actually helps me with, you know, if I have an idea but I feel too afraid in case people will laugh at me if I tell somebody what it is it's like no I know what my identity is and who cares if they laugh because I know what God thinks of me and if the Lord's put it in your heart then he wants it to you know he wants you to give expression to it I love how you pick up on that idea of beloved and that is where our identity is rooted I know I did a prayer journal many years ago now called beloved daughter that that is our Mm. origin it is our identity and it is our destiny and Mm. everything in our life comes from that place and I think you know every single one of us as women is a beloved daughter like a beloved daughter of our parents a beloved daughter of God firstly Mm -hmm. but somehow along the way in our life we do learn that our identity comes not from who we are, but what we do, you know, how much we earn, what we produce, if we're a good girl, you know, if we do things well, what car we drive, then what career we have, if our marriage or our children are thriving, or we learn that identity comes from what we do. And I think what you've picked up on is so important that as women, we have to reorient our focus to our true identity and our true identity is grounded in being God's beloved daughter. So our Mm -hmm. value doesn't lie in what we do or how well, you know, we do a print or run a business or what score we get on a university entrance. Like our identity is not there. It's not even in how we please others or make them happy. It's, it's in our relationship just with the Lord. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, talking around this idea of perfectionism, and you, you use the word wound, and I think that's a really good word because I think in life we do sustain many wounds, like whether they're from our parents, they, they can't love us perfectly because they're not God the Father, right? So they love us, absolutely love us, but they do it imperfectly. And so in that imperfect love we often can take some wounds to our heart in life, in school, bullying, whatever it is, failure of dreams, things not working out, like we sustain a wound. And then what happens is we tell ourselves a story about that wound and attach a a message or an identity to it. 
and I think this is what you're touching on. And and what I think I'd love to encourage women to is just to reorient their focus, go back to prayer, to adoration before the Lord, and ask Him to really give them His identity, their identity in Him. Because I think yeah. everything else we do in life, in ministry, in business, in work, marriage, family, religious life, whatever it is, it will only be half of what it could be if we're not living from the fullness of knowing our identity as the beloved. I just yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I think that we can see that, you know, and knowing our identity is something powerful and so it's something that the enemy has a history of, you know, attacking really strongly. If you think about um, in, in creation, in the garden, the enemy, the first thing that he goes for is for Eve's identity, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, do you know everything that you're meant to know? Like maybe God's hiding things from you. Maybe you need to be smarter, you know. Yes. And, you know, so that's and then shame comes in. And then even if we think about Jesus, like he is God and the enemy still tries like Jesus he gets baptized and God you know sees and the dove comes down and then the voice from heaven says this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased and then it says straight away that um, he went into the desert and the first thing that the enemy says to him is if you are the son of God over and over if you are do this if you are prove it this way but Jesus says no I know who I am and so I don't have to do those things so yeah just I think even being aware of that and recognizing the places where the enemy might be trying to attack our identity and say oh are you really like that are you really good enough does God really love you like that? Does someone else really, you know, like all these yes. different ways? Yes, yes. A- absolutely. <laughs> Any voice that's not telling you that you are the beloved, that you have value, that, ha- that you have dignity mm-hmm. is not is a lie. That's Satan. That's the enemy trying to still kill and destroy, undermine our identity and then the purpose of God in our life. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. he's so subtle in the way he does this. And, and of, most obviously it's, you know, in what we do, like you were saying, if I did a print, would people like it? Or if I created this, what will people say? There's that element. But there's also the element of this spiritual perfectionism, which is really about, I guess, a self-sufficient pride that says, I don't really need God. Like I can make it on my own. I can do it on my own. Or it says, you know, unless I'm flawless, then God's not going to love me that we have this belief that we have to earn God's love, but we don't have to do that at all. Like we've already Mm. been given it. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. And I think one of the antidotes for this idea of perfectionism is really accepting that we are weak and that we are broken and we have parts of ourselves that aren't attractive and that are hurt and that have been through pain, but that's okay that that's a part yeah. of our story. And I know Brené Brown, she does a lot of work on vulnerability and shame. And I love one of her quotes mm-hmm. where she says, vulnerability is the first thing I look for in you, but it's the last thing I want you to see in me. 
And I think Ooh, that, yeah, okay. it's like truth bomb right there. But, yeah. You know, there's a book actually that I was given. I'll just, it's called The Heart of Perfection, How the Saints Taught Me to Trade My Dream of Perfect for God's. And the book's written by Colleen Carroll Campbell. I was actually given it last year as a gift. I spoke in Nashville and they gave it to me. And it's all around this woman's struggle of perfectionism and how she found answers in the lives of the saints. And far from being like these perfect ideals that we can never live up to, she was like, actually, a lot of the saints are recovering perfectionists. <laughs> like they actually are. And in her book, so she draws out all these examples. So I really encourage women to, to get a copy of the book, The Heart of Perfection. But there's a beautiful mm. quote in it. And she says, the very perfectionist impulse that makes us winners in the eyes of the world is the one that we need to overcome to win eternal life with Christ. And I just love that because I'm like, in the world's eyes, our value is in what we do. But if we carry that perfectionism through our life, our ministry, our work, then we find it actually impacts negatively on our relationship with God. And it stunts our growth spiritually too. Yeah, absolutely. That was actually something... That I didn't expect but was so beautiful as I've been doing these illustrations of the saints is, you know, doing the little details. Uh, like let's say I recently did um, St. Maximilian Colby who mm. is just blows my mind, Yeah, you know, but I'm doing like the little details on his glasses and, you know, fleshing out the fabric on, a, on the, um, like the prisoner jacket. And yeah. I was just thinking like, man, he was just a man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it just, I, I have just discovered again as I'm illustrating how real these people are. They're not yes. like these supernatural angels who like were already in heaven and then, yes. I don't know. <laughs> like, They're literally just human beings who are just trying their utmost to love God Absolutely. and letting him do the rest. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are. And they're just people that fall and keep getting up again. That's actually what mm-hmm. a saint is. And not to get so caught up in our failures. Like when we fall, because we all fall all the time, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, like the, the trick is not that we fall into self-condemnation and that inner critic that's like so harsh mm-hmm. on ourselves. That's like, you're a failure. You're this, you're that. Like I think that one of the keys to overcoming perfectionism is to really see ourselves through the eyes of God and the gentleness yeah. of God. And he just puts his hand down and he said, you know, you are my beloved, my favour rests on you. Let's get up, let's try again. I don't know if yeah. you've seen, have you seen the TV series The Chosen? Have you watched that? I've yet? watched a couple of episodes, but I haven't finished it all yet. Uh, well, my kids, have, we've been watching it as a family and the kids are like, uh-huh. Jesus is so kind. And I'm like, he is kind. That's who he is. That's his nature. Like just to see it, I guess, with skin on is very powerful. But for us as Christians every day in our lives is to experience that and to come before the Blessed Sacrament and to really ask the Lord to help us see ourselves through his eyes. I think that's one Mm. of the, the, the keys Without a doubt. Yes, I would definitely agree. And I think like an easy way to identify whether it's the enemy or God speaking to us is, you know, we're talking about being a saint is just like making mistakes and then just like picking yourself up and keeping on going. I think the enemy would love for us to believe that our mistakes are our identity. But God's voice always says, okay, he he separates us 
from our sin and says, I still love you. Your worth has never changed, but I know you can do better than making that choice. Yes. <laughs> so, like, yes. God's voice is always bringing hope. Um, but then we would say, no, you you are your mistake. You are your sin. Absolutely. And, and I think he just says, let's get up. Let's begin again. And mm-hmm. I think that's the key. Think about my own life and the women that I'm drawn to, the, the older women that, or the more mature women that I want to be around are the women who can hold their strengths and their struggle in a beautiful balance where they're not mm. so caught up in, I'm so good at this, look at me, I've got this gift and talent. And then on the other hand, they're not so caught up in, oh, I'm such a sinner, I'm terrible, I'm a failure uh-huh. at this. But they... They hold that strength and struggle side by side mm. in this beautiful balance. And one of the, the ways, I guess, to overcome perfectionism and, and I guess in wrapping up this episode is just to highlight for women ways that they can do that. And I think you've touched on it as mm. receiving our identity and, and grounding ourselves in our identity as the beloved. I think yeah. going before yeah. the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, asking revelation to see ourselves through his eyes and then I think leaning into our weaknesses like recognizing what they are and recognizing our struggles Mm -hmm. and being okay with that that's a journey obviously but I think that's (laughs) as well that's a lifelong journey isn't it (laughs) (laughs) our whole life but yeah even my dad is so he's such a holy beautiful man I love my dad so much he's in his 70s but Mm. he would say the same he's still on the journey still coming before (laughs) the Lord still trying to you know work all this stuff out and I thought gosh it's it it really is a lifelong journey Yeah. yeah yeah for sure I think as well just like a practical thing is if you're struggling with perfectionism and you know just whatever's holding you back just do it like if you've written yes. a book but you're yeah. still like obsessing over whether you got the words right just publish it or if you've drawn something and you just want to start an Instagram page just do it do like it. yeah you know just give it a go and and you know what's the worst can happen it it flops but yeah. if you know like God's still with you it doesn't matter that much <laughs> so just buy it just give it a go I love the words my husband Jonathan uses is take imperfect action just fail for mm. just give it a go yeah. and yeah. if you feel that the Lord's called you to it I mean take a step yeah. of faith and do it and sometimes it's a matter mm. of reworking it a few times till you get it right but like you're saying just mm-hmm. do it Nike just do it yeah <laughs> And now, Jez, I'm interested if you had any quick pearls of wisdom for women to take away yeah. from today's episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, I already should just do it. Yes. Um, I I really would just encourage you again, if you have an idea um, that you've just been sitting with for so long, or even if it's new, you know, if yeah. God says it's a good thing, just just give it a go. And I also think, you know, something that can help us to combat the struggles around our identity and is is just to have good female friends around you. Create yeah. a safe community of people who are chasing the same thing as you, the same thing being Jesus. Yes, <laughs> yes. And who, who know you, who can see you when you are strong, but also you can be vulnerable with, who are able to encourage you, who'll be able to see, look, you created the amazing thing. You should share that with the world like it's perfect how it is just share it you know it's so important to have that strong sisterhood Mm. yeah 
Absolutely. I, I know I've been so grateful in my life for the women in my sisterhood group. We met last night and it was just there's five of us. We've been meeting together probably once a fortnight for about 10 years, 11 years now. And wow. we just got such a deep bond. I'm just so grateful for those women because you're right. Like we've seen each other through the good and the bad and mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, there's nothing quite like it. it's very special I think sisterhood is a gift from God (laughs) absolutely amen well I'm just so grateful to have had the opportunity to connect with you today on this podcast you're so welcome thanks for having me well I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jessica I think perfectionism is such a huge trap in the lives of women and so I really want to encourage you to take that to prayer and really ask the Lord to begin a spiritual surgery of weeding that out of your life If you'd like to check out Jess's online store, head on over to www.saltandgoldstore.com or follow her on social media at Salt and Gold Collection. She's got some beautiful prints. I really encourage you to take a look. If you'd like to go deeper with your identity as the beloved daughter of God, please head on over to the Genius website and check out the beautiful prayer journal that's available called Beloved Daughter, www.geniusproject.co. Until next week, have a beautiful week and God bless you.